2: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson.
0: All right, everybody, it is Friday. It's one of the greatest days of the entire week, because that means for most of us, we're almost done with the work week while others are just starting. Sucks to be you, but uh, I'm glad to be out of my cubicle for the next two days. I'll be spending some time with the family. we got Father's Day coming up, so uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, be sure to call your dad up uh, no matter where he's at. Give him a phone call, give him a hug, give him a high five, tell him thank you for being your dad and uh yeah all that stuff I'm, I'm looking forward uh i'm actually gonna go do a grill out uh with my buddy ben harshine the owner of hunter maps and uh me and him and our families are going to get together and celebrate father's day with a good old-fashioned bbq and i don't think i'm gonna have time to do any deer stuff it's a pretty packed weekend uh my wife and i are gonna be going to a farmer's market that she sells some of the clothing that she makes uh, baby clothing there and um that's kind of what the weekend plans are pretty low-key for the most part now um i have to make a couple announcements here one first announcement congratulations to mike perry he has won the cookbook from uh the sporting chef podcast that we recently did so please p.m me you have you have 48 hours to get a hold of me or i'm gonna pick a different winner Um, and then i'm starting something a little new uh, a little side project i guess you want to call it. it's not really a side project It's, it's just an extension on facebook live see if you're listening to this on a Friday that means tonight the 16th June 16th at 7pm Central 8 o'clock I am doing a new little thing called Happy Hour the Nine Finger Chronicles Happy Hour and um, we're just I'm just going to be live on Facebook and we're just going to BS a lot of a lot of uh, um, listener interaction Uh, it's going to be kind of a a virtual BS session um, there may be a topic there may not be a topic it may just be an introduction and then uh, my goal is to do it uh, once a week or once every other week depending on time to uh, just get on there and uh, get on Facebook live and BS take some Q&A uh, maybe discuss some of the hot topics Um, in the hunting industry maybe discuss the hunting industry maybe discuss gear strategy tactics all that kind of stuff everything's on the table Uh, and you know how i roll i just like to shoot from the hip so there is that now today's podcast we're going to be talking with clint smith of missouri Uh, this dude's a killer um and you know, the last couple podcasts that we've done on Hunter Profiles, we've been talking to guys who are public land hunters. Now, other than uh, his trips to Kansas, Clint actually it, hunts with his brother and another friend on a private piece of property that's got cattle in it and ag, and uh, he has one of the most impressive walls that I have ever seen in my life, and... Uh, When I saw some of those pictures, I had to get him on and and kind of hear how he hunts, uh, hear his strategy, and uh, just notice the differences when it comes to how he hunts his private ground to how others hunt public ground, right? There's obviously going to be some differences, but also look for the similarities because um, no matter where you hunt, there are going to be some kind of similarities, and I think that as hunters, if we can focus on the similarities, right? Like what can get it, what can get it done on public, and what can get it done on private. Then I feel that if you can take those two principles or that principle, and you can apply it anywhere and be successful. So, uh, kind of listen for the similarities as well. But before we get into that podcast, I just really quick want to mention. Um, Deer Lab. If you guys haven't had the opportunity to play around with it, please do so. Uh, Deer Lab is, I don't know, if you run trail cameras and you want to get the most out of every trail camera picture that you have, you need to dump it into Deer Lab and you need to look through that information and really dig into it. And I'm not joking. It will show you things that you have never thought of before. And what I mean by that is recently, I'm not a huge fan of hunting all day, right? I, I absolutely hate it. Now, when Deer Lab tells me the majority of your movement is from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. during the the rut, Now I I have the data in front of me. I can't make excuses anymore. I have to sit all day because that is what the data has told me for the last two years. So if I think it's going to be different, and and those are two particular tree stand locations, right? But if I think it's going to be different the third year, I'm an idiot, right? So Deer Lab, um, if you play with that data right, you're going to be able to forecast deer movement for this upcoming year. So take advantage of the th- free 30 day trial period and that is going to be uh, deerlab.com slash nine fingers uh, the number nine followed by the word fingers and you will receive a free 30 day trial please go and dump your trail camera pictures into that um, I'm going to rely a lot of past year's information as I approach this upcoming season and uh, it has truly an eye opener uh, um, of what kind of data your trail camera pictures can give you. So please take a look at that. Now, enough of me jaw jacking. Let's get into today's Hunter Profile podcast with Clint Smith. All right. On the phone with me now, a name that I can't get wrong, Clint Smith from Missouri. How are you doing, my friend?
2: Uh, a dream living a dream dan
0: nice nice what's the weather like down there uh in iowa it was really hot this uh this week and last week
2: what is 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 hot and humid we've had a we've had a terrific spring actually and we've had a little bit of flooding um there there early on but really just short in the last week it's it's gotten hot and humid which that's what it's supposed to do but no we've had a We've had a phenomenal winter, uh, actually, and, and, and uh, where it wasn't that cold. But, but with that being said, no, it's hot right now. It's about 95. So, yep, it's warm, but it's yeah, summer.
0: For so, sure. Yeah, what's supposed to do? Well, let's start off by the first question that I ask everybody on this podcast is whereabouts in Missouri are you from, and what do you do for a living?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm uh, I live in central Missouri. And uh, I work for a rural electric cooperative in a utility department. I uh, grew up there I started there about 20 years ago mowing grass and seeing a guy on a pole. Uh, thought that'd be a cool a cool job to do so I uh, started that about 20 years ago and, and did that for about 10 years. Uh, love what I do always love the outdoors of course you know that because I mean you're talking on your podcast but uh, wanted to uh, wanted to wanted to move inside of the office because I knew I didn't want to be alive forever so... Uh, moved inside the safety department, and um, I, uh, I I currently reside as manager of administration there, there at a cooperative, so uh, nice. great, great job, great folks, so yep.
0: So as uh, somebody in the safety department, how, uh, I take it with electricity, there is a lot of safety rules and regulations that uh, you have to follow if you're going to be a lineman.
2: There are, uh, there are Dan. I mean, the biggest thing about electricity, it, it, uh, it doesn't forgive. And then with that being said, there's not a lot of second chances. We, uh, uh, our system is a 14, four system. So, so we, um, you know, you, you, uh, you make a mistake. Uh, most of the time it's a, uh, it's a, it's a costly one. If you're fortunate enough to come out of it, you know, it, and most of the time it's, uh, uh, it's a loss of, 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 of a limb at the least. So, um, we don't take it lightly. It's a, it's a very serious business. With that being said, if you follow all the rules, it's a, it's a, it, it's a great rewarding uh, profession in the fact that, you know, folks, folks uh, need electricity and the fact that it's not a luxury, it's, it's a necessity anymore. So when you, you know, the last storm I went to work uh, was Katrina I went down there and worked that one and to see the faces of those folks, when you turn, when you turn the lights back on um, it's, it's phenomenal. So, so the thing that we do in rural America, and there's, and there's 900 co-ops out there spread across America. That's providing power uh, to the rural folks, uh, lights go out, you know, ice storms, uh, wind storms, hurricanes, whatnot, snow storms. And to turn those folks lights back on to see them, to see them come back on. It's a, it's a very rewarding, very rewarding for profession. So very, very fortunate that I get a chance to do that.
0: Absolutely. That's uh that's pretty cool. Now, for my own personal knowledge, have you ever had it in a like uh, in the safety department? Have you ever had electricity blow somebody's right index finger off?
2: Um, actually, my my uh, not their not their right finger. Um, actually, my brother in law. It'll be uh, I think four four years ago, June the twenty second. A young man uh, had a contact that went in his right arm, uh, and came out his chest. And, uh, how he survived the good Lord, uh, was looking over him that day, but he, uh, uh, he did survive and he, he lost, uh, he lost his arm, uh, below his elbow. And, um, uh, uh, he, he lives, he lives with that today. He was 27 at the time and a uh, great, great young man, uh, very positive, positive through it all and still positive this day. But, but, um, I, I did, uh, I did have to go through that with my family so so uh it it hits home pretty pretty uh pretty pretty serious so yes, sir right so not a not an index finger but an arm, yes,
0: wow, I tell you what that that electricity is absolutely crazy how it travels through the body. it's not like a a blade where it just cuts off the hand, it travels as far as it can possibly go and i and and what does it do it? It just fries everything that it touches.
2: It does, and, and and you know the outside is what everybody sees, but the but 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 the real the real seriousness is what what goes on inside your body that that no one knows in that in that first contact, you know, because when that when that happens, you don't know what's actually burnt inside you, and you won't know that, you know, for for a day, two days, three days. So it's it's a uh, um, it's 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 something that you know as little as you know 120 volts you know uh i've seen i've seen 120 volts go through go through a young man uh and and um uh electrocute him and and not resuscitate him. and then i've seen you know 25,000 volts uh and and an individual walks away from it so you know i mean it's it's uh it's it's a strange thing that happens on different days different different humidity different different grounding situations so but no it's uh it's it's something that we take for granted, you know. You, you look up at those lines, and no one pays attention to them till they till they start to ground out and explode and everything else. But there's they're very dangerous up there, so you re, you really have to. You, I mean, we we preach safety uh, probably more so than what we need to do. So I'm glad I'm getting the opportunity to talk to you, and I hope a lot of people listen to me because it's it's serious stuff. Serious yeah, stuff.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, now. You're on the podcast today because your buddy, Dan Applebaum, reaches out to me and goes, hey, man, you need to uh, get, a, get a hold of this Clint Smith guy, and uh, you need to talk to him about killing deer. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I've seen, I've had guys reach out to me and show me their walls and show me their quote-unquote man cave and, and, you know, and it's pretty impressive. But I think as far as impressive walls and trophy rooms are concerned, I think you might take the cake as far as uh, this particular podcast is concerned. I, <laughs> because I opened the image and I'm just like, oh, my God, I would like that right there just tells me success. Right. So it, it how yeah. how long has it taken you to acquire those sheds and all those mounts
2: about about 20 years um actually you know my my uh, uh my dad uh, I, you know, I grew up on our property my dad uh he, he he he's he's a worker i mean you know he's a farmer he's a worker and so um uh you know he's he's not much of a hunter and uh, he, he, he actually doesn't really like it at all because it's it's kind of that waste of time deal. We should be working all the time. So, you know, I, I learned to hunt at a very young age, but I learned to do it by myself. Um, I had a grandfather that liked to turkey hunt, but he 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 loved deer. You know, they were so pretty. You know, such a such a methodical animal, and so he didn't he didn't deer hunt. We turkey hunted, but he didn't deer hunt. So uh, I grew up uh, failing failing a lot, and uh, you know, I mean, just I can remember the first year I shot. Uh, weighed maybe 50 pounds you know I mean and I was so excited because you, know, you know I finally I finally conquered the quest and and so then just just started to understand deer you know and we'll get into it later but um you know and it's always different when you hunt, hunt out your back door as well uh, but but um you know it, it uh, up about 20 years I can remember going over to our Missouri deer deer classic uh you know and it, it was so phenomenal and I've seen people walking in with deer sheds I was 16 years old and I was like you know, we got to have deer down on us. How do you, how do you go home and find one of those sheds? So me and my brother, he was 10 at the time and, uh, we went walking out that day, that afternoon, uh, found a shed. I wrote down on it, you know, first shed ever, still have that shed. But from there, you know, it's just like, yeah, here we go. So, so about 20 years, and it's one of those deals, you know, you kill that, you kill that first 120 inch deer and you're like, sound like catching that four pound bass. You know, I'm not ever going to catch a bigger one. And then you know, you kill a bigger one, and a bigger one, and a bigger one, then your wall gets filled. And then, then you get married, and your wife's like, "Okay, that's enough." So, <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's where you uh, start to do those skull mounts. So, I've gotten pretty good at that myself. I do that, I do that. Uh, I actually do all those my, myself. And the neat thing about that is, you know, I mean, I can kill a deer, and I can have the skull done in about three hours. So, I've, I've right. gotten I've gotten pretty good at that. So, right. but, uh, yep yep long story short uh, about about 20 years so
0: okay so let's go all the way back to the beginning um was it when you were 16 and you went to that missouri classic or did something spark an interest uh, in deer hunting before you were 16
2: no i uh, i killed my first turkey when i was six um and uh you know i always i always loved it i just didn't really have anyone to take me so I actually started bow hunting before I started rifle hunting because uh, my dad trusted me with a bow much much sooner than he did a gun. But of course you had to be you know strong enough. And back in those days it wasn't a let off thing and anything like that. So um, you know at at the at the time I uh, bow hunted a lot and I actually just just spent time in the woods. You know I mean I just I just you know watched deer and and i I'm just fascinated with deer. You know I mean I, I love to go turkey hunting, but the deer uh, they really just fascinated on our on our property, there used to be a lot more people that hunted than than just us because it was it was different tracks, wasn't all put together, different families, and so you know growing up throughout the years, really until 20 years ago, um, until we acquired you know the entire property and you were able to manage it, uh, there was there was there was just a couple of us, me and my brother and a friend that hunted the property. That's when it really kind of started to take hold. Yeah, you know, you were able to manage the deer, you got a hold of your neighbors, uh, you know, you yeah, you had the conversation with those uh, folks because, I mean, really, even if you own, you know, in, in Missouri, uh, 5,000 acres is a tremendous amount of land. I mean, it just is. It's nothing like a Kansas or a Texas or wherever you want to go with those big properties. But, if, um, you know, as far as how much property you own, you know, if you don't have good neighbors, uh, that, that can that can be sacrificial to your to your deer herd uh, every year you know even if you have but that being said i have I, I know folks that only own 200 acres but they got great neighbors that own own large tracks and then they're able to kill kill a huge deer as well so right um in, you know neighbors na- good neighbors uh very very important very important in the, and we'll in get it in the scheme of and
0: it. we'll get into that here uh, in a little bit but yeah. i want to i want to continue down the path of you as a hunter and um and and talk about so you you started bow hunting right off the bat how old were you when you started bow hunting
2: i was about 13 13 yeah, I was about 13 barely barely pulled bow back yeah and
0: uh i can remember i can
2: actually remember my first night hunting uh i had a, i had a arrow full of quivers it was it was about six of them and, and the first deer walked out in the field i'll never forget this and um you know at the time, I would have told you it was about 25 yards. I uh, pulled back and, and let the first arrow fly. The deer didn't even flinch. I would guess now it was probably about 90. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, after I took my sixth shot, um, they, I just, they just stood out there, and uh, I was out of arrows. Sit out there and watched them, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, they, they kind of filtered back back in the woods but um you know i i remember that first hunt always and uh uh you know from there of course you know i mean it, it, it just it just starts to escalate but um so you know, when did in, you very
0: very young age so when did you uh you mentioned going to this deer classic finding a you know and yeah. then going home and finding a shed was it yep. six when you were 16 is that when you started getting really serious about it and you know like okay if we're gonna if we're gonna be bow hunters we're gonna be serious bow hunters
2: yeah i mean it was you know it was 16 i was able to drive so i was able to get around the farm uh you know you you had more time you're able to pull back a good bow you're able to research and understand what yardage was and and uh how how arrows uh you know flew and things like that so yeah 16 was when you know, got I got some does on the ground, got that figured out. Um, you know, shot uh, 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 my first one was a six-pointer. You know, I mean it was a buck. So oh my God! I mean, here, here we went with that. And uh, at, at at about 18 was when I killed my first 120-inch deer. I had, and that was the back in the day of the where you put the 35 millimeter camera out there, and it, it had like actually had a plunger that went down, took took the camera, you know, you took it to Walmart, uh, you know, you went through your, 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 your 36 roll film and yep. you got 120 and a year on there. I didn't shot it. So, you know, I thought it was the biggest thing ever. I mean, biggest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 18 when it, when it really started to take, to take place. Really. Okay. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about this property, uh, and the surrounding properties a little bit. Um, now back when you first started uh, to today, I take it there's been some there's some kind of changes but for the most part, describe what your property the property that you hunt is some of the terrain features you know meant you know talk if there's ag on it, talk if there's uh, any livestock on it and whatnot
2: okay well uh, we're we're located about five miles north of the Missouri River so. We have a creek that runs through uh, our property. Some people might call it a river, but it's, it's it's mainly a creek. It turns into a river when it floods. But uh, great great water source. Um, uh, out of the out of the 1,600 acres, there's there's uh, there's probably 600 of it open. Uh, maybe seven. The, the rest is the rest is big 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 hardwood. Um, uh, a lot of lot of lot of white oak trees. You know, so plenty of food there we farm roughly about 400 acres of it, you know, row crop, beans, corn, uh, mainly, uh, there's some alfalfa on it that, that we have, but, uh, the cow, uh, we, we have about a, uh, 80 to hundred, hundred head cow herd. And that encompasses and kind of, kind of goes over a lot of the property, you know, and, and when I mean a lot, it can probably, um, it can probably cover, we probably only have it had have it out of about 400 acres. So, you know, anybody that's a deer hunter uh, is going to agree with me and tell you, you know, it's like oil and water. Um, the last thing that you want to see when you're in a stand is a cow. So, because right. uh, they they it just, at least in Missouri, I can tell you, um, it, it, it doesn't work that well. So, so um, you know, it, that that makes it a challenge um, a lot of times in a lot of places, but, you know, it seems like, you know, deer, they'll move uh, throughout the year, you know, just like, Just just like, you know, they always do. And they'll be in certain places. So they'll play the cow game. So I'm not going to tell you over the years, you can't, you know, I mean, I've used the cows to an advantage because you know that, okay, you know, you know, you you know, the deer is going to go to a field. They're going to go to a food source. Uh, Here's where the cows are going to be. So they'll pinch them over, you know, to make them walk up, walk up a certain, you know, I mean, a certain hillside to a certain draw. But it's hilly. uh, Just, just a, just, a, you know, I mean, just a breeding ground for, for good deer, water, food, uh, and plenty of cover, you know, that's, that's, that, that's what we have. So it, it's all there.
0: Perfect. So when you first started hunting this property, um, you know, you mentioned you made a lot of mistakes. How did you teach yourself, you know, using the farm that you had access to, how did you teach yourself? to become a a good hunter and how did you go about finding those spots educating yourself on how to um, uh, I guess kill first kill deer and then second you know as you get older you start going after these mature deer
2: yeah well, first off, let's clear the water. Uh, I'm 40 years old, and I'm still making mistakes. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, I haven't perfected it yet, but, but uh, uh, you know the biggest thing, Dan, that, 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 that I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that I that I look throughout the years, and, and probably the most important thing I still look today, and that and that is ingress and egress uh, of, of 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 a stand location, and I don't say that in the fact just. Just just walking to a stand, um, I say that even how you get out of a stand. You know, what I mean, uh, uh, and and let's first say by walking in and walking out. Um, to me, even when I hunt, uh, you know, I do hunt some public ground in, in uh, Kansas. Uh, at least at least my experience over the years, walking in to a piece of property and walking out. That by far to me is the most important thing. I mean, I I hunt the wind. I mean, the best that I can do, uh, depending on the place that I'm hunting, you know, take for instance, if I'm hunting in the evening and I'm hunting a food source and I know the deer are going to walk off a hill, come to a food source, I definitely won't hunt directly in a wind that's going to be blowing right up that hill. But if I'm hunting in the morning or even hunting, you know, in a heavily wooded area, you know, I can't can't tell you where a deer might come from because, I mean, they might come you know, especially when deer get chasing, they might come up, up, back, back up from a hill, you know, from a food source, or they might be going down, or, you know, I mean, they might be anywhere. So I hunt the wind the best that I can, but, but ingress and egress out of a stand walking in for sure my number one game. And then, and then not just walking, um, how, how, how you get out. And so take, for instance, I'm sitting there in the evening time, um, you know, and there's deer around me. Um, I'm not, I'm not a rattler or caller. I don't do a lot of that. I mean, I might take a set of antlers, hit the antlers together, and make deer run off. You know, especially early season. You know, early season, you know, you can sit there and have 50 deer in the field. Uh, I might rattle them antlers together, make make a make a big deer that that's out in the field. You know, 200 yards that I know I'm not going to get. I'll, I'll clear the field because a lot of those deer don't even know why they ran off you know they just ran off because all the other deer ran off so um uh, for sure the most the most important thing that i've had growing up learning uh is 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 how you get in how you get out of of a place yep
0: okay so access for you access is key
2: yeah
0: okay so talk to us a little bit about you know once you've figured out access routes i mean so so how do you how do you find the stand locations on this property is it just 20 years worth of knowledge or, or 10 years worth of knowledge and then you noticed that okay these deer are, is using this pinch point or this fence crossing and historical data tells me that if i set up here and just put in my time you know one of these big boys is going to be coming by it definitely is now
2: i mean you know i mean it we, We've done it long enough now, you know. I mean, it's always the same, the same food sources and things like that. So I can tell you today, 2017. No, we're going to have our stand location in the same place. Now I will hunt different places based on which deer I want to kill, you know, because I know that right. there's not going to be a deer at on one end of the farm. But learning, learning that in the beginning, I mean, let's go back there ten years ago. Um, it, it was, it was, it was mainly trail cameras. I mean, it really was. It was just hunting um, to the fact that. You know when you understand your own property, uh, um, you, you know well, and you can understand a piece of public ground because again, uh, we do hunt that piece, and you know, in in Canada, it's all public. But um, you know, it's it's not that scientific method in the fact that you know there's food and there's bed. Um, they're gonna they're gonna go one place or the other, and then you know you either use the hunting pressure, possibly that it's over on the one side. I'll, I'll go back. I use, I use cows. I mean, I really do. I, I mean, uh, you know, if there's a place where I know cows are a lot um, I can tell you at least on our farm, you're not going to find a mature deer, in a, in a in a, in a place where there's cows. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to stay on that hillside uh, that's further away from them. So, uh, and, and again, we have, we have, we have really steep bluffs um, on, on our property that, I mean, deer, can go down if they if they're pushed to go down but they're not going to just make that their own their own their own trail to walk so uh, you know i mean it's a path that you'll find um uh you you know i mean over time that that it it just turns into what we call the money hole i mean i mean we just we just have we just have those places on our property that you know you you know you you, i mean you're just going to be there so yeah
0: right so how long did it take you to figure out your farm um because I've been hunting a farm for, uh, ooh, let's see, going on, going on six, seven years now, and yeah, it's gonna this this will be the seventh season actually that I'm on on my main farm. Nope, this will be the eighth season that I've I've been on this farm, and I'm still finding little, you know, places that the deer like to travel. I'm still finding myself. Um, learning the terrain, learning the property. Um, How long did it take you from the time that you started to the time that you, you know, like you said, well, I I know that when the, when this wind comes or the rut comes, I'm going to set up in this stand because I know I got trail camera pictures of this deer. A decade. I mean, that's
2: as easy as it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say a good, a good decade. I'm not going to tell you I won't, I won't move a stand um, a little bit today um but but it's it's very seldom i mean i've seen deer that I've, I've literally had to move a stand 80 yards just 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 a little bit because i've seen him and he just he just won't you know he just won't come in up over that hill he, he's comfortable walking walking down in that area that he you know that he walks uh but but no it, it took me uh yeah i mean i'm i'm confident in that number and say 10 years you know i mean You'll get it. You'll get it. Fin pointed down to where. Again, I can I can hang a stand um, and know that I'm going to be close. And then I'll always have to have to move it, you know, to to pinch it down a little bit, a little bit more than that. But but uh, no, I I would I would say that. Yeah. And and then the other thing that you know that changes uh, again is is kind of where possibly your neighbors are going to put their stands. I mean, you know, I mean because although although uh you know i have neighbors uh, that are that are great neighbors you know if they if they put a stand uh on on a piece um to where i know you know okay well here's where this deer might come from i know the wind's going to be blowing out of out of this out of this uh direction on this day um you know that deer i uh, i know him well enough to know that Big deer, you know, they're 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 not always going to walk up there where you can see them and just and just blow at you and then run off. I mean, they're they're just going to know that you're there, and they're 400 yards away from you in the woods, and they're going to just walk around you. What they're going to do? So, I mean, I've I've seen that uh, before because I've known a neighbor that's been hunting in that area, and you watch that deer, and they don't even know you're there because they're paying attention to that to that hunter that's 300 yards uh, up the ridge that 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 that, that, that they knows up there. So. Um you know that'll that'll that'll, that'll change uh, a little bit but yeah for the most part uh long long answer sorry I digress
0: <laughs> so then <laughs> so it, you said it it's taken you about a decade to get you know to to the point where y- you started understanding the deer movement on this property now once it kind of clicked for you, what did you do I, did you set up I mean, are your stands up all year round or, I mean, do you do any run and gun at this point or is it, okay, I've learned this property, I have my stands in the location, now it's just a matter of time. So I guess what I'm getting to is when do you start to hunt for some of these bucks that you're, that you've established that you're going to go after um, via trail camera?
2: What? What well, we'll do, like everybody else, you make your you make your big hit list, and you give them those names like Mufasa, you know, and, and uh, uh, the Big Ten, and all that good stuff, you know, crazy righty, anything like that. So, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get those cameras early on, uh, and based on what fields they're in, um, I'm gonna be honest with you, and this is gonna sound crazy, and I don't know how many people are gonna disagree with me. I've been doing this for 20 years, uh, deep deep 20. Uh, Me and between me and my brother uh, and a good friend of mine, um, we probably have about, I'd say, 65 uh, deer that we've killed that, you know, maybe not all mature, but they're 140 plus to 190. I'm going to tell you, in 20 years, we've never killed a deer that it's like, where'd that deer come from? Never. We We have always killed every single deer. We've known about that deer. Uh, and so there's not been that that surprise we're always hoping that there's going to be that surprise that that comes from somewhere else but um, that's never happened so based on the territory that that deer's in uh, I feel like today we already I mean we already have that location where they're going to end up at one point or not so just whatever deer you want to go after that's what stand you're going to go get in that night and they're either going to show up or they're not because they're going to either be going to that food source or going to be going to that uh water and hole or they're going to be chasing that dough that ends up going down to that food source so i don't want to make it sound like it's too simple um because it's not um because i put in a tremendous amount of time still to this day and 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 come up with zero still to this day but you know once you have it figured out where they're where they're really going to go um you know you take all those other attributes into effect and and you just got to put the time in i mean really uh, you will know as much as I do and anybody that that's going to successfully kill big deer um uh, my my number is always three um and not everybody can do that but you, you you have to hunt three days in a row I mean I I've seen it too much down on our place if you if you can just get out there on that weekend or you can just put in that one night I mean you go for that one night you might get lucky but you know to kill them big ones every year I'm always I'm always a three-nighter uh, um and because you, cause I've even seen it to where I'm a heavy I'm a heavy trail cam user, and so even when I can't hunt, um, I might take an area that I have a run in, and I might put up 10, tra- 10 trail cameras 20 feet apart, like in the woods. And what I mean by that is I put one up and 20 feet, I put another one up, 20 feet, I put another one up, and I put 10 of them up, and I let those burn to where any deer that walks by, I know that he walked by, and I got a picture of that deer. So even though I wasn't there, I was still hunting that piece. Right. So I still can learn that stand. He's right there. He's maybe not going to be there tomorrow night, but I mean, he is walking through that general area. So even when I can't hunt, I'm still hunting. I guess in that, in that, in that stand. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm adamant that you, you, you have to be, you have to be in that tree, um, two or three days at a minimum. You know, to have yourself, you know, I mean, the best odds. And of course, that's like the lottery. You know, you can't win if you don't play. So
0: right now when you mentioned that you you know you know every buck that's in there and i guess that's partially the benefit of having 1500 acres to your disposal right yes
1: sir
0: yep so okay. you know and again i'm not trying to make it sound easy because there is definitely a lot of work that that goes into it but one thing i want to know and I would I would assume that a guy like you who who has been hunting a property uh, for you know twenty some years now who has knows the deer movement knows the property how does your deer herd react when a big mature dominant buck is killed by either you your brother or that other guy who hunts. What's the deer herd's reaction uh, when, or I guess, what's the reaction from all the other bucks when a big, mature buck is killed? Um, does does an, another one move in and take its place and the cycle continues for the next year? Or is there kind of uh, an un, uneasiness between the bucks? I guess, describe that. I'm curious of, of what that is. Well, that
2: that, that is that is a great question. And, and this is going to be one of the first years we're actually going to address that concern on our property because you know, our property holds good deer, but to me, we kind of maxed out in the fact that, um, you, 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 there's, there's just so many good deer. And, and you know, and I know there's, there's, there's a stories out there, you know, you gotta, you gotta kill the right doe to make sure that the, that the buck that's two year old doesn't leave your property because each year we see, those 140 inch deer. Uh, and, and the next year, like, Oh my God, you know, we had this one, this one, this one, this one on the list. And I know, you know, we know our neighbors well enough, probably they don't get killed. Um, you know, uh, there's a little bit of poaching that probably goes on, on our, on our, on our property. We have a little bit that's on the highway. So a few of them disappear, but, but you know, that deer isn't there the next year. And, and, and so, um, one thing that we're addressing is, is, We've, we've, we, we have always been trophy hunters. I mean, and the fact that um, I'm not going to tell you every deer has been mature. I, I know I've killed four-year-old deer that go 160, and I've killed six-year-old deer that go 120. So one thing that we're going to focus on, because we think that's what's happening uh, on, our, on, on our property and really the surrounding property, is since we've hunted horns for so long, we've let big, mature deer live. And, and, and what we've labeled them now is, is, is they're bully bucks. And we did actually see it this year because we just started it this year for the first time. But, you know, it, it's tough to go waste a deer tag when you only get two on 100 and 116 inch eight corners that, you know, end up weighing 300 pounds. But in theory, you let that deer go. And what we found, and what I think we're going to find this, is if that deer, once, once that rut hits, I mean, if you don't kill that big buck early, um, once that rut hits, that deer is going to run that good 140, 150 inch deer. Off your property, or at least out of your out of your location of your stand, um, because you're probably hunting the best piece. Meaning, there's the most does right there. They're all concentrated. You're in the best alley, and it's going to be that big mature buck. What I found is going to be in there, regardless of what he is. You're hoping it's going to be that one sixty inch deer, but a lot of times he's a one twenty inch deer. He just he just doesn't have good he just doesn't have good antler growth. And so one thing that we're changing, and we've seen it last year a little bit for the first time because uh, we did we did take two deer that were we consider we're bully deer and absolutely we've seen a lot of good younger deer move in you know especially the night fields that we've seen the big mature buck just run everything out or they just weren't there we started seeing a lot more buck action in those fields so i'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited i think that's going to be our next step you know i mean nothing ever gets old and so i i i would look to talk to you again in in three years to see how that works for us because you know we're learning like everybody else and and each piece of property is different but um one thing that we're really gonna strive on is try to kill some of them big mature deer that that maybe don't possess those big antlers
0: so basically you're going to be focusing on harvesting the biggest or the the most mature buck and not so much for for all int- uh, intensive purposes for the management portion of it and then let that three four-year-old hundred and you know 60 inch buck walk to hopefully get them to a bigger antler size that have the superior genetics that's that's
2: that's exactly the game we're going to play and i don't know if it'll do okay but you know i mean we're fortunate enough all of us have kids that are growing up and they're starting to hunt so so you know we've 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 conquered the battle that's without a doubt and it's, it it's, it's always wonderful to take those kids. I like it more so cuz I don't have I know that the possibility of us getting something lot is a lot better than than sitting those 90 days out in the stand waiting for that one deer. But uh no, I I I think we've grown up enough to know um you know that 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 there's something different that we have to do cuz while our walls are full and we've had good, we we we've had great success um I think we can still make our property better. And I, I, I think that's, that's a step we're going to take, um, uh, uh, for, for the, for the next few years. Yeah. goes.
0: Absolutely. Now, what is the, what's the deer population on your property? Is it, is it pretty heavy or do you guys do a good job of, of thinning out the herd, uh, you know, taking the right amount of does, you know, and making sure there's a good buck to doe ratio.
2: That, that's, that's uh that's neat um and 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 i and and i say that here if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago um i could go down to a field uh 60 acre field and i could see 100 deer in it uh which which was too many Uh, and and so a lot of things happened uh throughout the past decade some controllable some not um first off our conservation department opened up an unlimited amount of does that you could kill, and at the time, I think everyone's deer herd, uh, here, or herd here in Missouri was 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 good. I don't know if it was right or wrong. I think you could go to some piece of property there weren't hardly any deer. The next person had a lot of deer, but there was different. There was uh, you know different herds everywhere. So. They opened up an unlimited amount of tags that that you could shoot does. And what everybody do, they go out and shoot every every, every deer they could find doe-wise. And then we had, uh, you know, the blue tongue that come through. Um, So just the perfect storm that killed a tremendous amount of deer. And so just this past year, uh, and this has went on, I'll get my dates wrong, but let's just say over the past 10 years, probably more so seven or eight. But um, the deer herd off our property, Uh, I can tell you that I talked to people that gun hunted half a mile from me that never seen a deer i mean never seen a deer all all deer season so it got very thin in the fact that if you didn't have enough property to manage uh, your deer herd got got down very slim um our deer herd today uh i think i think a good healthy herd i like to always see a lot of deer i mean i do you know it's kind of like fishing you know i don't go to a lake and not catch fish i always like to see deer when i'm in the woods um we do a pretty good job of managing our deer herd to the fact of what we can can control, but you always got to still kind of control your neighbors and the fact that they don't go out and kill too many. And then, you know, the other neighbors don't kill too many. Um, and then you always got the disease that hits in. So 2017, uh, good deer herd. I can tell you that it's just been that though, probably in the last couple three years, I think we had a great deer herd 10 years ago. A lot of a lot of you know a lot of negative things happened throughout that time we still made it through uh, but but you know it just struggled a lot of deer died things like that but no we we managed like everybody else does um you know we've we, we we detailed ourselves down probably six or seven years ago I felt like there was a lot of eight pointers on our property so so we went and shot shot eight pointers uh, I, I felt like it did good I felt like it brought in a lot of a lot of uncharacteristic deer and the fact that they had points coming off of them and all, in all sorts of ways I, I felt like we've seen more 10 pointers, um, you know, in that, in that time frame. but I also like to shoot a 168, uh, six, eight, eight pointer as well. So, uh, I think we manage it like everybody else does. Dan, I, I don't think I have, um, that, that magic wand out there or anything like that. So, yeah, I think we do our best.
0: Okay. So now, on this uh, piece of property, this fifteen hundred acres, you mentioned there's cattle on it. You mentioned that there's uh, some ag on it. Do you guys do any additional um, habitat work, like food plots or hinge cutting, or any type of you know cutting down trees to let more sunlight in to create bedding areas, anything like that?
2: We don't. Um, again, our cows mainly. Mainly run over the entire property if they want to at different times of the year, uh, right. so they keep everything down. It's a it's a piece of property that 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 has that was, well, it, you know, in my time frame I've been in there thirty years hasn't ever been logged. So it's big hardwoods. Our our neighbors do some of that, um, you know, only because they maybe they acquired their piece of property later. So they went in and done some things that it's went good, but I can't really have a food plot because the cows would eat it also. Right. Our food cloths mainly are, are our agriculture land, so I don't I don't have a lot to digress on on that on that aspect.
0: Do you leave you know, any of your egg crop up to allow the deer to feed on that?
2: I just want to make sure. I, I say again, my dad doesn't really care for hunting, and he's going to kill me for saying this. But no, he's not. If he can, if, if he can get every piece of kernel of, <laughs> uh, a grain that there is out there, he's going to get it I mean, there's enough of it that. Uh, falls through the cracks um you know throughout the year right. and of course uh, any farmer that would listen would know probably one deer is too you know too many when you see it out there in that bean field but uh no we we don't we we don't uh, uh leave anything uh, for the deer we uh, again we have, we have we have a very good uh uh batch of hardwoods that you know for the most part i know you have good nut years and not bad uh or, and you know bad nut years but um our food sources are are always pretty plentiful.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are in states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, where parcel size is really small, right? And uh, they have no choice but to hunt one per one or two particular tree stands let's say they they only have access to maybe at most 100 acres or you know 50 acres somewhere you have a 1500 acres that you have available to yourself do you ever find yourself overthinking your what stand location you you (laughs) need to hunt and and basically making it more difficult than it needs to be
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i wish you could talk my good buddy his name's dan too and uh deal uh we grew up as linemen together so that's kind of how we got hooked up in the deal and and he he, I would probably change my mind about four times a day throughout our construction (laughs) days of uh say I'm going here and he's like I tell you what but you just tell me it's four o'clock when we get off work where are you going and then I'll go somewhere else because I know your mind's going to (laughs) change no I do that um I don't so much anymore only because I want to hunt literally just one deer and 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 uh you know uh, if you'd have got me five, six, seven years ago, you know, there might be three deer that you would have been okay with, but I, I pretty much get cranked on one deer each year, uh, that I'm going to hunt. And, and, and that deer's only going to be in a specific place. I'll still beat myself over the head because, you know, I might still have three or four stands to hunt, hunt, hunt that one deer. And, oh no, I, I get, um, I, I'll stay up at night. Um, I've, I've, I've changed my mind a minute minute into uh uh, where I'm gonna go and turn around and go somewhere else but no yeah that that can that no I I I definitely have an issue with that yeah no very much
0: so so now for the most part now how do you hunt I guess you mentioned you're you're kind now you're kind of waiting on deer that you've identified during the summer months that and you put together a hit list of you know okay it's I'm going to sh- I'm going after this buck because he's the biggest buck on the property. I know where he's kind of living. I just have to play the trail camera game until I find where he's going to, you know, to so you can make a move on him. So, I guess my question is, what time of year do you usually start jumping into the tree stand?
2: Well, before we went to started going to Kansas because their early muzzleloader season opens up about the same time um, uh, our our bow season opens. I can tell you when Missouri changed the rule to where they opened up bow season September 15th instead of October 1st, if you're not out in the sand swatting mosquitoes the first week of hunting season, you are the craziest person ever because that is literally like shooting fish out of a barrel if you're trying to track a good bucker. I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be on that same guarantee, go to the same field, walk under the same tree. I've killed I don't know how many giants in the past four or five years, um, six years, the first week of September, and I'm done because it, it's it, it, it's really easy then. Now, that first night that you get out of the stand or something smells you, then all bets are off, and then, you know, we go through that September lull, and then you have to start – you have to start playing, really, that trail camera game and the fact that, you know, um, I do burn a tremendous amount of trail cameras, only the fact that I don't want to go up there. I mean, I love to hunt, with that being said. Um, um, you know, I, 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 I want to make sure I'm not just sitting in that tree uh, spreading the scent, making making dough smarter for the time that I need to be there. So um, I will play the trail camera game and hunt, hunt the trail cameras more so than sitting in a tree uh, only the fact that where I, you know, when I when I do see that good deer, then I, then I'll go after him for those three days, based on the wind. But you know, our deer change not so much, not so much area wise. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, deer like people, um, and I'm going to be real honest with you. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy understanding people, and I think that's probably why I enjoy understanding and and chasing deer so much, and the fact. Uh, that, uh, you know, different deer do different things. I mean, I have deer that I know I've shot deer that are six years old, and they've never left a ridge. I can tell you they've never crossed one valley and come up and went on the other ridge. They've stayed right there, and we've had deer that I've killed a mile away from where um, I, I've, uh, I've hunted them before, and they, and they just showed up, and I've actually been hunting another deer. But, you know, you got to change your game uh, whenever, whenever, uh, you know, if, 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 if you have enough property, uh, you know, you definitely got to change your game based on, based, based on the time of the year that you hunt them. So.
0: Right. Right. So, so you're telling me that where you hunt sometime between that, uh, September 15th to October 1st, something changes and the deer come off their summer pattern and go into a completely different pattern um what do you think that is and why
2: well I, you know i think first off nobody's in the woods you know there's no there's i mean there's there's no pressure there's no smell so um i think a lot of it has to do uh, with 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 still yet their antlers you know you can watch them there Right there, pretty much. You know, I mean, when they're when they're when they're growing those antlers, and we're sitting there down there watching them in those bean fields. I mean, um, I don't I don't know that this is for sure, but I think uh, you know the antler mass is about the fast, fastest growing matter known to man. But yeah. um, you know, they have to eat. I mean, every every single like like minute. I mean, I don't even think they hardly leave the field. They might walk out to go lay over in the creek when it's hundred degrees, but they're right there every single day. You know the velvet starts to fall off. I don't need as much food. So you know we're right there in that in that prime time to where I still need that food. I really don't quite need that food, and then I don't need that food at all. You know, what I mean, so right. and and that is a that is a magical to me. About ten or fifteen days, and I think that's what's, what's changed changes so much. You know, uh, but but you know once that once that antler hardens, uh, you know I, I I I think the game changes you know, it goes deep into the weather, um, you know, because, you know, I mean, if it's hot, I'm not going to move. I don't need to eat. I'll just eat at night. Then it changes the fact that, you know, I smelled somebody here. I'm not going to come out. I'm going to go ahead and move a little bit, go the other way. Um, so to me, I based it more on, on the, on the first part um, of the fact that I think the deer, you know, are, are so territorial because of, of that antler growth. And second um, you know, if you ever hunt beans, um, I can tell you that when they're green, uh, game on, and when they start to turn, game's off. So, so um, you know, I, I think that depends a lot on how soon we get our crop in. You know, uh, a lot when we do live in a creek bottom, so we don't tend to plant our, our crop early um, because it'll flood most of the time every every uh, winter. I mean, I'm sorry, every, every, every spring. And so if you can, I mean, if you're going to hunt beans, if you put them in late, I'm gonna guarantee you that green beans there there isn't much that beat that um, short, of, short of some wheat wheat in that in that dead of winter at least at least that's for the Missouri folks uh, I don't know but um, no green green beans come September 15th to October 1st. Um, if you're in them uh, you're, you're you're gonna have a good you're gonna have a good hunt.
0: Awesome. So then you know let's say you go after a buck and he's not making, you know, he he doesn't make his appearance early season like you hope he does. Then, you know, his pattern changes. Then what's your strategy from there? Let's say once, you know, once that October, early October uh time frame hits. Uh, you know, once once really that I
2: mean, once I get to October, um I I'm I, you know, I, I've, I've killed a lot of deer, and I'm going to tell you, it's been pretty minimal um, from October. Let's just say till till Halloween. I mean, I've gotten lucky, and I think that's really all that it is. Meaning, I'm just going to go hunt in that place because I know they might walk through there because they are going through there at some point in time. But the strategy on 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 killing one, at least on, on in my experience on on our property. Uh, You're just going to have to go put yourself in a good place where the deer was and where he will be once at least show up in the you know in the in the daylight shooting hours. You you just got to go put yourself in the best place that you possibly can uh, that you know that deer hopefully is still in uh, if if you don't have any pictures of him. So you know everybody calls it that October lull. If you've hunted long enough, you know that that's exactly true, Uh, and it's it can be tough long days, and uh, you can sit out there and not see any deer. Uh, you just gotta really enjoy hunting, you know, at that at that time frame. Because I have, I've a, a set in the woods. Uh, we call it buck night at our at our at our place. And uh, for whatever reason it is, and I'm not I'm not smart enough to figure out the moon and and all that good stuff. But I'm gonna tell you that there's nights that there you just see bucks. I mean, and it's just phenomenal. And you can go the next night, and I guarantee you, there's no use hunting the next night because you're not gonna see that deer. Uh, but those buck nights, what we call it um man that they happen kind of throughout the year and 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 what i mean is they happen even in that lull of october and if you're fortunate enough to be there and he and he's and he's he's strolling for whatever reason that that is uh which which a lot of people are smarter than i am that could tell you but um that's that's a good night and it can happen but what do you um, think that trigger is Friend, I don't know. So so uh I'll I'll keep listening to your podcast and uh, put that on there for somebody smarter than me and I'll and I and I'll listen to it. I don't know, you know, I mean I do a lot of reading like everybody else and there's the moon and whatnot. I can just tell you that to me it happens about every three I mean, it's it's gonna happen once out of every three times at least in Missouri in Squall Valley. So so yeah, I mean that's uh 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 that that's that that's all i know so i i don't know if it's the moon or or, or whatever it is but right. it seems like it's a lot more often uh than 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 what people will say cuz I, I just see it so
0: so then so then from that point on you are checking your you're running the trail cameras right and then you're just waiting to see yeah. what are you looking for on your trail camera uh for those hitless bucks to start getting closer to daylight
2: yeah, because once I, once I, you know, once once that rut rolls in, you know, once those scrapes start to open up, um, I'll move all my all my cameras to scrapes, um, and and I and I'll I'll literally just start hunting scrapes then because, um, and and I I spend a little time in the fields, um, you know, just just because a lot of times I'll hunt a field just to see what comes out in it, you know, I mean. Uh, you know, it might be a hundred acre field. So I know I'm probably not going to kill that deer, but uh, at least maybe I might see him or might see just a different deer. Um, but I'll put them on those scrapes and, and, uh, you know, once that deer shows up to the, to that scrape, um, then, then, you know, I, I just hunt that stand. Um, and then, and that's where I might have to, have to fine tune them, you know, to where, wherever that scrape is. Um, you know, I might have to move that stand, that, that 80 yards or that hundred yards, but, uh, definitely, definitely a scrape hunter. Uh, I had, that, that, that's where I've just had. Once, once that, once that November rolls around, um, that's that's where I'm going to have my success, and that's where, to me, I've killed I've killed my my giant deer. Yeah.
0: So, you're you're putting your trail cameras over scrapes, and. You're, how often then are you checking them throughout the season to see what deer show up
2: on them? Well, um, you, you know, I, I've, I've I've argued myself over that. You know, are you in a are you in a place too much, Are you not in a place enough? You know, do they just get used to that ranger driving up the driving up the hill? Uh, my answer is kind of all over the board um, on that, and the fact that. I, I think I told you earlier deer like people. Uh, we have 1500 acres and I can tell you, I have two sets of deer. Uh, I have, I have a set of deer that I'll call them city deer. We're not, we're not close to the city, but, uh, the deer are close to, to where, to where like my family lives. Um, you can get away a lot with, with, with the smell. I think you can get away a lot with driving a ranger up and down, uh, you know, uh, the road or, or checking cameras. I'll check those cameras depending on, uh, when I want to hunt, I might check them every day. I mean, I, I really might, because it's just literally walking out my door, getting on the ranger and driving around a piece of property. So I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate enough that I have that opportunity to do that. Uh, with that being said, on the other end of the property, where the deer don't see people as much, uh, those deer are crazy. I mean, and, 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 and they really are. And the fact that, you know, I can drive in a field, the deer just still stand there when I drive the ranger through it. And I'm not talking about a big, mature deer, but, I mean, does and things. And the other deer, I, I've i I've, I've hunted in that field and, and my brother's been checking cows or something on a ranger, not even in that field, and those deer just clear because they're just they're just insane. And so I'll stay out of that a little bit more so uh, than I will, you know, depending on what end of the farm that we're on. Uh, probably check those every every you know, every every three days or so. And a lot of times I'll just check them when I walk through my stand you know I mean I, I literally just pull those cards you know here it is I'm gonna hunt this place I know this deer is probably going to be there and uh and uh you know I, I'll, I'll I'll hunt them but uh, you know I have these I have the opportunity that I do get a hunt a lot so I do check my cameras a lot only because I'm you know I'll, I'll, I don't want to miss that opportunity where that deer might be uh, in that in that specific time frame so I'm not I'm not a big heckler on, on. I don't walk, I don't walk through my areas. But I don't feel like it damages our areas when I when I drive that Ranger up to that camera, check it, pull it, and leave. You know, right. um, I feel like the deer run, run run over the hill. They stop, and you know, I uh, I am big on. I leave the Ranger running. I don't turn it off. You know, a lot of times I take my kid with me, uh, things like that. So uh, kind of a kind of a stickler on you know, let's just be quiet, you know, don't, you know, don't, let's not run anything off and, you know, deer, deer, deer get used to that type type of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think it's whatever they're used to.
0: Right. So, you know, elaborating on that, you mentioned you've made some mistakes. Um, and can you provide us with an example of maybe a time a deer caught your wind or, you know caught you walking in or you know basically busted you and how long did it take for that buck to come back to the area and feel comfortable again
2: you know Dan what I've experienced over the years um I had I had that happen this year I was hunting a specific deer had had pictures of him day in day out um and it was in the woods and it was in one of those areas that you did your best to hunt the wind um and 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 he just came from a direction that um i didn't i just didn't expect him to come from and he did win me um he didn't win i mean he blowed twice and then and i I seen him he didn't run off he he just he, he just walked away i honestly never seen that deer again all season i don't know where he went i never got another picture of him i don't think a property next to me got him uh because i know all those folks um but i never i, I, I never seen that deer again uh he was a big mature deer and then where i'm going with this i've had i've had 150 inch deer that aren't that old smell me uh and i've seen them two days from then and i think a lot depends on how old and smart they are at least that's the experience that i've had in the fact that i have i have had deer smell me Um, or have encountered me, and if they're old, um, my uh, my night gets long because I know I'll probably literally ruin that opportunity to kill that deer, maybe, possibly, and and has been a lot of the time, the entire season. I mean, I've never seen it. I've never seen it again until the next season, honestly. Yeah.
0: So, you know, you're you're given the you know, I, I I want to call it a luxury, kind of, right? And I'm not saying that how you hunt is easier or harder than anybody else. But what I'm getting at is you get to see deer in more of a, a non-pressured natural environment than, let's say, a guy who's hunting some high-pressured public land. Um, yeah. And the reason, I, the way this uh, question is kind of going is, what are some things that you found interesting or things that you've witnessed from the tree stand about your deer herd in a natural low pressure environment uh,
2: um, and, and, and I, I mean I've learned you know so much off off of body language I mean I, I can I can sit there with my son um, and, and 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 we'll hunt. Uh, Missouri actually uh, legalized crossbows last year so uh, my son's 13 but he only weighs about 85 pounds so he, he can't pull a bow back enough to kill a deer so it was great to have the opportunity to let him go out and uh you know shoot a deer with a crossbow uh a nice a nice buck but you know I can just I mean just if you've ever got to like watch deer and I and I, and, and I do I, I I'm just I mean I hunt I hunt 90 days a year to kill one buck but I get a I enjoy to be out there in the woods and watch and learn and learn from them and and the body language to be able to sit there, not even really have to turn behind you and either watch a buck or a doe and and and, and watch the reaction. I know there's something coming, but but just how how they react to that to that mature deer, um, I, I I can just sit there and know. Okay, here I only have to turn around. I know don't know that it's that deer, but it's going to be a mature deer that walks up there. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the body language that I can't describe it. I'd have to, I'd have to show it to to you, you know, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've learned that, but, um, as for your question, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to elaborate a lot on that. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, I do hunt the public ground out there in Kansas that that's hunted a lot. And uh, other than. How the deer move and the times. Um, uh, I use the ingress and egress theory out there as well. Been been very successful right. um, on that. And and when I can watch that deer, the motion and the movement and the reaction, um, it might be earlier at a, or at a shorter period of time. But I feel like it's the same as it is. Uh, you know, um, uh, they act the same as they do. You know, the non pressured area even even when I watch a deer out there, it's a lot more open. They get, they get bumped. Um, and they, and you can see them running for miles, you know, away from that other guy out there in the orange. And, and fortunate enough, they're running, they're running your way and they run down in that dip. You know, it's like, okay, I look back, he's there. And then I just go back to acting normal again. And and it's kind of neat because you're there seeing a deer go from crazy back down to normal and, and they're, and they're, and they're okay. So, you know, uh, I don't, I, I've never had, I've never had to, and you and you 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 call it a luxury, and it, and it is a luxury. Um, I've never had to try to to try to hunt um, public public deer that are pressured. I wouldn't have a clue how to do it, uh, you know. And then I don't even want to elaborate on it because I don't even want to so <laughs> know like, what i was talking about. So, um I don't know how you know how other deer act. Um you know that that would be public compared to our deer because it's the only it's the only deer I've ever hunted so i i can't i can't I can't talk on that
0: so you know you also mentioned that you have neighbors who are practicing some of the same uh management you know like they're not killing they're not killing hundred and twenty inch deer right anymore um they're kind of on the same path as you as far as you know maturity and antler size. What for for somebody who's listening that does have you know a property that they manage and maybe they have uh, a neighbor that you know is shooting some kind of you know they're they're shooting the one twenty inchers or they're shooting the hundred inchers How did you approach? your neighbors with that conversation and maybe can you give some advice to someone who wants to do that
2: well first off what you need to do you need to find out if they drink or not and if they do you need to go find and buy them the finest whiskey or beer where they like and give them a lot of it say hey, if you do this you can celebrate when you kill this big deer instead of this small deer so just joking. <laughs> but, no, anyway um, i like that though so, yeah, no, I mean it has worked. Uh, with that being said, I do have some neighbors that that, that uh, it, uh they still just want to kill a buck, but it, you know, I, again, uh, just fortunate. Uh, uh, you know, one of my neighbors is is my aunt and uncle, uh, so always growing up around them, very very avid hunters. Um, you know, they they blessed blessed with them. They understand the game another one's a great friend, uh, him and his, him and his dad, uh, uh, went in, bought some property with us. Um, very, very intense managed to hunt the other, the other one's good family friends. Um, you know, that, that, uh, a lot of people hunt on them and, and, I'm, and, um, and I'm fortunate enough that, you know, while they do kill some deer, you know, there's enough of them that don't kill, um, um, any, the other thing I found out too, believe it or not, um, there is a piece of property that's next to us um that 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 some folks hunt and they do kill anything but but you know they're smart and and uh you know they they have a wonderful piece of property i mean it's great and nobody hunts it with a bow so they come in and and they're the weekend warrior with the gun and, and 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 you know i'll say over the past 10 years 15 years um, they killed one one big mature deer that we were hunting, um, and other than that, you know, there's enough bucks out there. We have enough property that you know, even though even though they might kill those you know those 120s or whatever, we 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 fight through that, and it and it, and it, and it you know and it still makes your property work. I'm I'm convinced that that, that you know those folks out there that say, well, if I shoot it, my neighbor will, or you know, if I don't shoot it, my neighbor will. Well, all I can guarantee you, friend, is if you do shoot it uh i'll guarantee it's not gonna make it so so, so, so uh right. um you know deer deer are smart you know i've seen i've seen studies before where they'll put three hunters in an 80 uh, you know an 80 acre pen and, and and put a collar on a deer and watch it watch it watch its movement and you know it catches its wind and it goes around so you know uh you know uh your neighbors um i don't you know i i, I couldn't tell you how to approach them some of them uh, you're fortunate enough to understand it and some of it you know what they those folks make large investments uh you know in their life and 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 their and their goal isn't isn't to kill you know 150 inch deer it's to it's to it's to hunt the land it's to have fun it's to take a you know it's, it's to take an animal off the land and it's all about the experience uh, of the hunt so you're never going to convince those folks um that that's that that's that the right thing to do is to grow a big deer so
0: you know you got
2: to you got to you got to be fortunate enough to have good neighbors, and for those that 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 don't want that experience, you know, you have to accept that that's what they're there to do, and 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 they're property right owners, and and that's and that's their and that's their right to do what they want to do. So I don't condemn them for it, you know. That they right. they they uh that's that that's what their goal is. But uh, again, you you uh, you see how lucky you are, and um, you know, you just you gotta you gotta be blessed with good people around, you know, that's for sure.
0: So then is this a conversation that you have on a yearly basis with your neighbors? Um, You know, is it, is it an open forum? uh, You know, that's like, okay, well, I I guess what I want to know is the specifics. I mean, do you share deer information with them?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Any, any picture anybody ever gets, um, because it's not like there's a high fence in between us, you know, it's not like the deer's only, I mean, you know, either the deer's on you and it's walking over to the dam, uh, them or the deer's on them. and They walk over to you. So, you know, the, I mean, the greatest thing I can tell you to do uh, to your neighbors, because uh, we've done it, we've been successful doing it. We hunt, we hunt bucks. I mean, we hunt pictures. We don't, we don't hunt um, because it, because I'll guarantee you, you're going to make the mistake too many times more than not that I thought it was that deer and it wasn't. And you walk up to it and, oh shit ground shrinkage happened and, and here we go and yeah. I, I just i just shot 135 inch two-year-old and so we share every picture um with with our neighbors they share it with us uh and and we do we have a good collage we have the deer that we're going to shoot and and for the most part all of us all of us uh uh hunt those pictures and we hunt those deer so no there's no secrets uh you know i'm i'm, I'm a i'm an avid media social guy uh I, I, you know if you if you I'll, I'll put a deer on a Facebook. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scared. Uh, you know, if you want to come down to my property and, and, uh, encroach and I mean, good luck. And, and, uh, you know, if it happens, it happens and just hope I don't catch you, but I, I'm I'm not that secretive guy. Uh, and neither are my neighbors, you know, we're, we're, we're all open to one another. Um, you know, we respect one another. And, uh, I, I think it, I think again, that's just one of the, that's one of the ingredients, uh, to having, to having uh, a successful place. You know, you, you go to hiding things, people don't, don't, don't understand. You, you're just asking for trouble or at least that's what, that's my opinion. Right. Right.
0: Now I, I want to know a story of a specific buck. Um, and yep. the buck that I want to talk about is this giant 13 pointer that is on the pedestal <laughs> mount in the picture. Um, he looks like a, he's a straight, typical 13 pointer. Um, what first off so so everybody can get an idea and this picture is going to be posted on the uh uh on the facebook page and posted on the uh on the slash podcast portion uh, where where you can find this uh, uh this podcast and this picture um, first off so everybody can get in their head what did this buck score
2: oh i think it at it grossed uh man time gets away from me that was in 03 i think it was 183 is what it grossed uh and some change and it ended up netting i believe 174 and the only reason why i get those numbers right if you go research that deer in 03 that was the biggest deer by bow typical killed in the state of missouri so so yeah so it was it was a great experience it was it was right in there i need to need to look up the magazines of uh that they that they come down was american white tail missouri game and fish but yeah it was a great great experience yeah
0: that was neat that was so neat. so uh walk me through this you know that that was what 15 years ago roughly yeah so <laughs> yeah. yeah so talk to me about this was this a buck that you had on your radar for a couple years was this a buck that you had any history with
2: that, that was one of those deer. You know, that was that was in that time frame that that we, that we, we you know we 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 loved to hunt. We we, we were kind of new new doing it, and uh, um, I found the sheds off of that buck the year before. Uh, that deer was on a neighbor. Um, um, probably wasn't on a neighbor that shared a lot of information with us uh, at the time. Uh, but I but I but I picked that shed up late in the season. And um, it was a deer. We never had a picture of uh, of of uh, that deer until right up there late. And um, actually, my buddy Danny Thomas is the one that actually harvested that uh, harvest that deer. I can remember the morning. It, it was it was good. I would already shot my buck for the year, and I was actually just uh, shooting some does that year. And um, uh, he he had, he had he had come across. Uh, that was back in the Motorola before cell phone days, you know, where you could text someone to just say you shot a dime. But uh, I was, I was sitting there blabbing that morning saying I was going to shoot a doe or something like that. And he comes across eventually and just says, but I just shot the big 13. And I thought I heard him, but I wasn't for sure that what it was. And I, you know, I said, come back on that. And he's like, I just shot the big 13. I was like, well, where's he at? And he's like, buddy, he just laid down behind me. And so, um, I remember that day His his, his father had passed away due to cancer uh, earlier that year, and I said, "Well, I'm coming up." I drove up there, and uh, I, I, I drove up. He's still in the tree; he's up there. He got his head down, uh, tears tears rolling out of his eyes, man. And uh, he just he crawls out of the tree, and uh, we walk over there, and uh, it, you know, it's just a magnificent animal. I mean, the deer, the deer every year before that, and you'll see the pictures. You know, it's time for you know, or are very tall, but, you know, they're kind of spindly. And, you know, when you get to talking about a 12 and a 13, those twos and those threes and those fours, you know, one one tine broken off, uh, you know, it, I mean, it changes where that deer is famous and where, you know, it's just, a, it's just a great big deer. But nothing had broke off that year. And that's the only year, uh, I believe that deer was five. That was the only year ever uh, that deer had not broken a tine off, at least in that time frame. And so uh, we walk up there, man, and uh, you know, it's laid over and, and uh, um, you know, we we, um, we kinda we kinda corral over it. And, you know, it's one of those ones that you that you pick up and as you as you load it up with Ranger and you put it in the back of your truck, it, it just never shrinks. It just keeps on growing and that's when you always know you got a big one. But uh, we did we did have some picture there wasn't a lot of history with that deer on because it was on the neighbor until until, you know, the you know the, and we didn't kill it that far off of the neighbor. You know, it was only probably oh 500 yards on a ridge. I was it was uh, checking some scrapes that morning, and um, the rest was history. But uh, yeah, it was it was what it was. But it, it was uh, the one that I had. That you'll see in the actually uh, picture there. That's a replica uh, of oh, okay. the deer. Oh, okay. uh, so 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 uh, uh, he has the deer. Actually, the full body mount of the deer. And, uh he, he he's, he's actually my best friend still is to this day um he actually surprised me with those replicas uh, of of the deer after he had shot the deer and then so yeah that that's a that's a replica of the deer um but, but yeah no it's a magnificent animal um not the not the largest grocery store deer that we've taken off the place uh, since then we we have some other deer that score up in the 180s you know they they don't they don't net that but i'm a I'm a grocer I'm not a netter oh, honestly yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, but no that deer in particular very very special it was neat to go through uh, the craziness of, of the magazines and, and things of that nature you know I mean it's uh, uh that was that was so so blessed to, to get to send that uh and, you know spend that time and uh you know if you think my wall is neat uh, I, I didn't get a chance to send you his but y'all come off pretty much the same pro- property there but we we've had a um we we've we, we've had a good good 15 year
0: run. That's, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's awesome. Now my, my last question is you sent me a picture of a pile of sheds and next to the pile of sheds is a full body buck mount jumping over what looks like a, a upstairs loft railing was that I take it that was your idea were you married at the time because my wife would say (laughs) hell no to that
2: yeah yeah well if you'll notice in all those pictures I I have one place that I can put all my deer and I have a beautiful fireplace right to the right that I want to hang you know I mean because actually I've killed more bigger deer in the last four years that I don't have mounted than I do the ones that are mounted and and I have to keep them right there but no, I pitched that idea to her, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, since then, there, there actually is, uh, I've seen out there, some, some, some buddies of mine have, have, have sent me another dear picture of that pose, but no, I pitched that idea to her, and, you know, I, I, and I was married. Yeah, I've been married for, uh, actually, 19 years ago yesterday, um, uh, actually, but she, she she's always understood that I have always, since she's known me, been eat up with hunting. Uh, to the level, I'm, I'm, I'm not a newbie to the game. Um, I mean, I, I live and breathe it. And so she has limited me on where I can put them, and I respect that. Uh, but but uh, so I pitched that idea to her, and, and it's always a wonderful conversation piece. When we have folks down and they first walk in the door, um, that always grabs people's attention, that's for sure. So uh, I'm, I am glad I did it. Um, for sure, it, it fit in real well. But, yeah, no, that's the story on that. <laughs> um wasn't uh she's you know, she's uh she's been pretty 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 supportive of her yeah i gotta i gotta i gotta give her credit kudos to her because there's not a whole lot of folks that would put up with uh uh you know because i always tell her, you know well it's only three months and she's like no it's not you know oh, it, right. it it starts about now you know and it it really doesn't end and then you know january 15th comes and you don't have anything to do till April, and then you go in depression mode. You know, after that, then I'm not in a good mood. And then, so, so, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 the life of every hunter. Yeah, it is, it Absolutely. is. So hats off to other wives out there, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah,
0: yeah. my wife uh, is starting to get the uh, she she's getting the knowledge that I am starting to think about deer more and more. As I just went out and set up some trail cameras the other day. And, uh, I'm starting to tinker with my gear. I'm starting to shoot my bow again on a regular basis. (laughs) And, uh, and she's starting to, she's starting to realize that, you know, the fall's coming and there's going to be some time where I'm away from home and, uh, she's a good sport though. But now my last, my last question for you is just what is the biggest scoring deer that you, you've shot off your farm? One one
2: one eighty six.
0: 186 um, that was that was a,
2: yeah yeah it's uh and crazy enough it was only 13 inches wide um and there's uh well i there's sent you a picture of but yeah there, there's uh uh it was it was it was 20 points it was actually one of those young deer and uh, believe it or not um i'm even scared to say um how young it was uh because it was i don't know i don't know when i Probably killed that. I mean, time gets away from me probably a decade ago, uh, maybe maybe eight or nine years ago. I don't know, but it was a deer we seen um, actually every night walk into this bean field. It was right down by my house, and so I knew where it was coming from, and so we, that was the time frame that the big Campbell outdoors uh, started to come about, so we thought we were going to be good buddies and, and, and buy us one of those expensive cameras, and I actually got that deer on camera um uh actually got that deer shot with a bow on uh on camera uh danny filmed it um it uh a- actually i'm on there that was one of those i just say this because uh, we talked about it before i shot at it on a friday night and missed it uh out of the same tree i shot again on a sunday night and killed it so uh i'm the deer was very small it just it it, it had it had 20 points on it um uh, at least scoreable points and just just crazy timing, uh, but uh, that 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 that's the largest. Uh, we 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 killed a lot of lot, lot of 180 inch gross gross deer, and I say a lot, uh, probably five or six. Uh, but but you know, then again, uh, you know, you get down there. The toughest buck I've ever shot in my life was an eight pointer. He was six years old, and he ended up netting 116. So so. so uh, have that had have that deer on film before uh you know as well uh, shooting that deer but uh, again we killed that brute and I just wanted to punch him in the face after after I shot <laughs> him because he it was, it was it was one of them ones I've spent countless hours uh just just chasing and uh, he was kind of on the downhill slide that I don't ever think he was was over 130 inch deer but he was he was tough and um he was tough yeah. right. he was a good challenge.
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, Clint. I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you're sitting on the side of the road right now. Uh, I I appreciate you taking time to to do the podcast and let me be the first one to say good luck this upcoming season.
2: Well, uh, thank you, Dan. And, and you know, and again, I, I told you in the beginning. I think it's great what you're doing because it it's it it's just it's just it's it's normal people uh, doing something that they love to do. Uh, getting to learn from other normal people so so uh you know dan uh dan applebaum turned me on to this and uh, I, I didn't even know what it was and uh so yeah I, I, I drive to work every morning to stream it now and uh uh and listen to the other crazies out there that you that, that, <laughs> that you get to speak about it so uh good thing what you're doing man hats off to you hats off to you
0: and there you have it. Another week of podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Clint for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing his stories with us. Really appreciate that. Huge shout out as always to each and every one of you. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to download this. Because uh, you know without you and your downloads, none of this is possible. So thank you very much. Um, huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast exodus gearhead wasp deer lab ripcord lone wolf and ozonics thank you guys as well for supporting me and please go out and support the companies that support this podcast i would appreciate it thank you very much please go to itunes leave a review please visit me like and follow me on social media like instagram twitter and Facebook, that's right, and as another reminder, on Facebook, Friday the 16th, which is tonight if you're listening to it on this Friday, Friday, June 16th at 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. Eastern, we are going to be doing a Nine Finger Chronicles Happy Hour live on Facebook, so please join me with a cold beverage, whether that is bourbon, beer, or some kind of cola. I don't care what you drink. Just make sure it's cold. Uh, come visit me and we'll BS for about 30 minutes. We can talk about just about anything. I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a topic right away. But what we will do is BS. And that's something that I know we're all good at. Voice our opinions, whatever. And uh, if you guys are going to be in the timber this weekend, please do me a favor while you're setting your tree stands. where your damn safety harness.